0: Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Quick note for all of you loyal listeners. We just recorded this nearly hour-long podcast and minutes after we recorded, Hunter Henry is signed by the Patriots. So you're going to hear a lot of Jonu Smith talk, a lot of Nelson Aguilar talk. This was all before we knew about Hunter Henry. Very strange signing, and we're going to do a bonus podcast on that as well, so you'll hear that. But for everything you hear right now about Jonu Smith and Nelson Aguilar, just please keep in mind this was before the Hunter Henry signing. Other than that, it's an awesome episode. Enjoy it.
1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the-
2: Spectacular
1: play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league.
2: What a play! Off to the races! Touchdown! Oh, he's done it again!
0: Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Ryan Fitzpatrick on the Washington football team. That's pretty fun. We didn't get to talk about that yesterday. We'll get to that right at the top of today's show as we look at the winners and the losers from day one of NFL Free Agency. I'm Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg. We bonus potted last night. Now Dave is here. Dave, what do you think overall, from a fantasy standpoint, about everything that transpired yesterday? Was it, was it good? Was it bad? Was it exciting? Because I'm just a spoiler. I think it was a little, I think it was a little underwhelming. Eh. Yeah, it was, right? It was uh, that's Are you, exactly what it was? Are you bu- exactly. I, I didn't know if you were giving me like the wrong buzzer like, eh, or if you were like, eh.
1: Yeah, it's eh. It like there's a couple moves that are kind of interesting. You know, John W. Smith moving on to New England. I think that that has potential to be really really great. Ryan Fitzpatrick in Washington, I think has potential to be fun.
2: Just about everything else. Eh. yeah. Well, maybe today yeah, will be. You guys there. are so offensive-minded. It's a great day yesterday. See you. Your defensive. Wait, wait, what, how? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go the ahead, defensive JB. players. How? Huh? How? 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 Bud Dupree to the Titans. That was fun. Offensive line moves. That was fun. I mean, come on. There's, there was a lot of stuff that happened yesterday that were how? helped some teams. Patriots were spending money like crazy. They're the guy in the salary cap league that just goes all in on two running backs and then just sits out everything else because now they spend all their money. There was some fun things that happened yesterday. I guess the
1: Tooney move to Kansas City was fun.
2: Lindsley to the Chargers—that was fun. Fun, yeah, that's, these are that's fun? fun
1: too.
0: I—I I, I don't yes. think "fun" is the right word. I was like, "Oh, okay." They're moves. Let's have a party.
2: I'm glad that Patrick Mahomes is not going to get pummeled anymore like he did in the Super Bowl. At least hopefully. Well, maybe we're and not there yet. We're not there yet. not going to get killed up the middle.
0: We're not there yet. We're not there for the Chiefs. They—they uh, they have a lot left to to gain back. I, right now, we're looking at a team with two guards that are two very good guards, Duvernay, Tardif, and, and Tooney. But they still need some tackles here. Uh, and by the way, Tennessee, they signed Danico Autry, too. So Autry and Dupree, that's a really good start for free agency to, uh, for them. And the Patriots are really interesting. Uh, Judon, four years, $56 million. John with the big deal, uh, four years, $50 million. And Nelson $40 Aguilar. $40
2: million on those two receivers, though, is a little head scratch.
0: And Kendrick Bourne as well. How much
2: of it is guaranteed? I don't know, but I'd rather spend $48 million on one of those guys that are still out there as opposed to the two guys that they got. I think it's I think
1: it's interesting that they went that direction
2: and why they... I, look,
1: they can't bring in Kenny Galladay if Matt Patricia's on the staff. Why did, They They must have thought that Aguilar... They can't was, if they
2: pay him enough. He'll say yes to anything.
1: Yeah, sure, no? but they obviously... Listen, they obviously didn't think he was worth a, a whole lot more uh, or what he's probably going to end up getting is what I should say, but they passed on Fuller. Fuller would have been better than Aguilar. Uh, Juju would have been better than Kendrick Bourne. I feel like they went, I feel like they think they went bargain shopping by getting Aguilar and Bourne instead of splurging like crazy on Fuller and Juju, for example.
2: Uh, I'm looking just at last year. They were going to get Fuller and Juju for 48 million. That's not
1: happening. Not, Not unless they're giving them one and two year deals and that's it.
0: I'm looking at uh, the episode description from our day one recap last year, and it started with Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs traded to the Bills. That's the thing. We had trades last year. We had Brady. We had Diggs. We also had Gurley getting cut and then signed. Oh, that, don't worry. It came they're later they're in the week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but day one recap was D- Stefan Diggs traded to the Bills. Does this crush his fantasy value? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that. Um, oh, Hurst. I, I thought
1: he was in trouble because Josh Allen wasn't a very accurate passer. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden he became a very accurate passer, and Stephon Diggs was amazing.
0: All right, so I'll get your winners and losers. We got to talk about Carlos Hyde going to the Jaguars and what that means for James Robinson. Um, so <laughs> I got to call. I, I'm looking forward to calling out Jamie. I'm feisty today, Jamie. You already pissed me off by bringing up the Knicks game, so now I'm yeah. coming at you because you have Corey Davis as one of your losers. But that doesn't make any sense because you wanted everybody to go to the Jets, so you're going to have to defend yourself. I
2: wanted good players to go to the Jets. <laughs>
0: Let's talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick since we didn't cover him at all in the bonus podcast we did yesterday.
2: Because you were afraid to wake up.
0: I wasn't afraid to wake up. I just didn't feel like talking last night. Ryan Fitzpatrick has scored 20 or more fantasy points in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues in 11 of his last 13 starts. That was basically the last half of 2019 and the first half of 2020. So 11 of his last 13, he uh, 20 or more points, 23 or more in nine of those 13 games. Faced pretty easy competition in a lot of them. But still, it's very impressive. Now he gets the NFC East. <laughs> <sighs> yeah.
2: Well, uh, yeah,
0: that's good. Because I was going to say Washington is a good defense. It doesn't have to face them. Um, yeah. So anyway, for Fitzpatrick, he won't get a first-place schedule, unfortunately. Is he a, is mm. he a top Is he a top
2: 15 quarterback? I put him 17th for now, but uh, I could see myself moving him up because the Saints' situation is going to be ugly unless one of those guys wins the job outright. But I don't think that's going to be the case because we're going to see Sean Payton do Sean Payton things with uh, Taysom Hill. If Jameis is still the starter. Uh, So he can move up one or two spots, but I, I think with Fitzpatrick, the thing that you're, you're hoping for is Fitzpatrick, you know, you're just hoping that he goes and gets the chance to be himself and, uh, can play free, and they add at least one more weapon. Not that he needs that, but I think it would help. Um, the nice thing for Washington is they threw the ball top ten in the NFL last year. Six hundred one attempts. They're one of uh, uh, eleven teams, I think, to throw for over six hundred or uh, to attempt over six hundred passes. So if you get Fitzpatrick basically an average of about thirty-seven pass attempts per game. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, he's got a, a great number one receiver in Terry McLaurin. He's got some good complementary options. Not that he necessarily uses the tight end very much or his running backs to a high degree, but um, he'll use those guys, obviously, in this offense. Um, I do think, again, they need to add another another option there, but who's taking him off the field? There isn't a young guy right there right now uh, that I think is going to be a problem, like we saw in Miami. And so if he stays healthy for 16 games, he could end up as a top-12 quarterback.
0: Dave?
1: Yeah, I'm not as excited, partially because I think that somebody will come along and take him off the field if he goes through one of those very... Unfits magical spurts where he starts to play poorly, costs Washington a couple of games, they can go to Kyle Allen, they can go to Taylor Heineke. They might draft somebody between now and May. That's the key. Yeah, I've seen the draft someone. I I I can't rank him where you've got him, James. I gotta put him behind there, but I still think he's one of those priority super flex mid-ish picks. Like he, to me, he's in that same boat as Roethlisberger, the, the upside of Tua, puts Tua in that category. It, but if if we go through the draft and all that, and the only guys on the roster, and, and maybe we could say that this is what it's going to be because Kyle Allen's on the roster now. I think he just restructured or something to stay there. Heineke's on the roster. They're going to add another quarterback on top of that. Maybe they're not going to do that. And maybe Fitzpatrick will be in a position to play 16 games. And if it looks that way, and if Washington does, does add help on the offensive line, then I'll be more interested in putting Ryan Fitzpatrick where you've got him, Jamie. It's closer to a, a top fifteen type of fantasy quarterback, but I can't do it yet.
0: So Kirk Cousins or Ryan Fitzpatrick?
2: Cousins for me. Cousins for now. They're uh they're two spots away.
0: Tannehill without Johnny or Corey Davis. And it's funny because we kind of knew that at this point he wasn't gonna have Johnny or Corey Davis, but it's still it's not great to see. Tannehill or Fitzpatrick? Tannehill. Tannehill for now. Okay, so how do you feel about the pass catchers, McLaurin and Logan Thomas, and maybe J.D. McKissick, Antonio Antonio Gibson? This is actually a guy that surprisingly has never thrown for four thousand yards, though he's been on pace for that. Uh, You know, those those games that I talked about last half of twenty nineteen. It's been thirteen games, first half of twenty twenty. He's been on pace for that. Uh, How do you feel about the pass catchers? Is this good for them, Jamie?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's great for McLaurin, Um, you know, so I I went back and looked uh, going back to 2010 um, and he had eight, nine seasons. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine seasons where he uh, started at least nine games, Fitzpatrick. So in those seasons, uh, I was just looking at the number one receiver and he has guys that obviously got featured a lot. There was two times where he had two receivers with at least 127 targets. Uh, on his team. One was 2014 with the Texans when DeAndre Hopkins and Andre Johnson both had over 127 targets. And then with the Jets in 2015, Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker both had over 132 targets. But of those seasons, the number one guy typically was the one who was featured and featured quite a bit. So of those eight seasons with at least nine starts, the number one receiver, which was Steve Johnson three times, Kendall Wright, Andre Johnson, Brandon Marshall twice, and Devontae Parker. Seven times, the number one receiver had at least 72 catches. Six times, the number one receiver had at least a 1,000 yards. And three times, the number one receiver had at least 10 touchdowns. So you look at what McLaurin is for Washington coming off a season with 134 targets in 15 games. That speaks to the type of guy that Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably going to lean on quite a bit. And so uh, I moved him from just outside my top 10 to number seven. Uh, I think he's got the chance to be a potential top five receiver with this move. Uh, they still are going to add somebody else. I think that's the next move because they they didn't have another receiver, wide receiver uh, over 48 targets. That can't happen if you're going to be a better offense. So uh, I don't think Antonio Gandy-Golden, for example, is a guy that makes that type of jump. I don't think it's Cam Sims or Steve Sims. I mean, we've seen what those guys are. Uh, Kelvin Harmon, same thing. So this is a position of need for them. Uh, there were potential talks of, you know if you follow the Washington media guys, that they were going to be in the Corey Davis camp, that they were going to be maybe in the Kenny Galladay Curtis Samuel camp. Um, so I think there's another move that's still going to happen here, but McLaurin's in a great spot. Now uh, the other guys, he doesn't have a long track record of using his tight ends. So in that same span, the top tight ends for him were Gusecki, uh in 2019. And again, I'm looking at the, the seasons where he played the majority of the time. So taking out 2020. So Gasecki's numbers in 2019, <clears throat> 51 catches, 570 yards, five touchdowns, uh Delaney Walker in 2013, 60 catches, 571 yards, and six touchdowns. That was with the Titans. And then Scott Chandler in Buffalo in 2012, 43 catches, 571 yards, six touchdowns. So Logan Thomas, I think we all kind of expect it to regress a little bit because Alex Smith is so good for Logan Thomas. Um, but I think he can put up those type of numbers. We we'll put him in the low end, you know, number one range. And then for the running backs, and I'm sorry for talking so much, but I did a lot of research on this last night. Um, the the running backs, he doesn't have again, using that same time period uh, the same amount of success throwing to his running backs, at least one guy. Now there have been some situations where two guys were featured CJ Spiller and Fred Jackson, for example. Um, but uh, eight times where running back had at least 50 targets and 31 catches. Uh, the, the leader of that group was Bilal Powell in 2016, 74 targets, 58 catches, but Spiller had 459 receiving yards in 2012 and Aaron Foster uh, caught five touchdowns in 2014, so not like a big, huge season for his running backs like J.D. McKissick had last year. But uh, I think you could see McKissick and Antonio Gibson both in the 50 target range if this is Fitzpatrick's, you know, season to to lead the team, and probably in the 35 to 50 catch range for one of them.
0: That was good stuff. So I mean, to sum it up, in case you didn't catch all of that, that's good stuff. Ryan Fitzpatrick throws to his wide receivers.
2: That's the biggest... His wide receiver. His wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, Singular. but you mentioned
0: you mentioned the season where Decker and Marshall both... When he had, had two guys, yes. Yeah, and, uh, and he doesn't right now. And that's actually the last time the Jets had a 1,000-yard receiver, Corey Davis. So that was 2015, the last time the Jets had a 1,000-yard receiver. By the way, if you would ask me, hey, name all the teams that Ryan Fitzpatrick has played for, I definitely would have forgotten about Houston. Uh, that was 2014. You mentioned Arian Foster. I was like, what? I do not remember that one. Uh, but there's a lot of them. There's the Jets, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Texans, the Titans, the Buccaneers, the Bengals. Looks like those are all. And now Washington for Ryan Fitzpatrick. All right, well said. But with a headline there, Dave, was Jamie has Terry McLaurin 7th in his PPR rankings. Heath has him 10th. I don't know if yours are updated. Yeah, they're updated. You have him 19th. So, 7th no, for McLaurin. That's not, that's not the update. That's not the update? No, well, I'm I mean, in 19th. Oh, I'm in standard. I'm in standard. Is
1: that possible? Even then, he's not there in standard either.
0: Oh, updated one minute ago. Oh, that's not fair. All right, he's 14th now. <laughs> he's 14th in PPR. Uh, all right, so do you think Jamie's too high on Terry McLaurin?
1: I do, but I, I get it. I understand where he's coming from, and I can't... Listen, he's, he's higher on Ryan Fitzpatrick, so... I totally understand him being higher on Terry McLaurin. You've
0: got McLaurin over Justin Jefferson. Yeah, no, I don't, Jamie. Yeah, I over get it. DK no, no no, 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 I
1: totally get. I get it. Jamie can speak for himself, but I, I totally. Oh yeah, understand.
2: no, I think they're all great. You know, I, I think once you get past the what I think is going to end up being the consensus top four receivers, which is going to be um, Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs, and De- DeAndre Hopkins. I think once you get past those four guys. Then it's going to be a mix of Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Justin Jefferson, you know, one of the Tampa guys or maybe both. You know, they're all going to be there. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm leaving out a couple guys here or there. But there, there's uh, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen. You know, there's all those guys have the chance to be uh, top five receivers. And I think McLaurin, you know, again, if you just look <laughs> at Fitzpatrick's, the the targets, I think, are what stand out the most. And again, the seasons where he started 16 games. So 2011 with Buffalo, Stevie Johnson 134 targets. 2012 148 targets. Uh, Brandon Marshall 2015 173 targets, and Eric Decker also got 132 that season. Uh, Devontae Parker in 13 starts had 128 targets. So, but McLaurin you know, had, had
0: 134 last
2: year, which was yeah, which is not a quarterback that's terrible, gonna count but it was quarterback, quarterback, more than Metcalf,
0: field. and Metcalf crushed him. I know McLaurin, That well, was last year. McLaurin now you're talking four, about a
2: Seattle team that may, may go back to being more run-heavy. How did Metcalf do in the second half of the season? Not as great as he was in the first half of the season. That's no, but,
0: but I, I, well, it's you know, look, it's probably going to come, it could come down to touchdowns. Russell Wilson, no matter how often he throws those 30 touchdowns every year, I don't know what you expect from Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, maybe he'll be around that. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to throw as many as... As, uh, I, could Wilson. See, I
2: could see McLaurin having Devontae Parker's numbers in 2019, which was 128 targets, 72 catches, 1,202 yards, 9 touchdowns. I think he has that type of ability. And
1: remember, yeah. in that year, the first half of that year, Devontae Parker was sharing with Preston Williams. And yeah. when Williams got hurt, the final eight games, I've got it open right in front of me. He was on tar- on pace for 152 targets Yeah, based on the last half of the season. He was on pace for 10 touchdowns. He was on pace for 1,600 yards. I I can't be, I can't be that bullish on Terry McLaurin because we've talked about it. They're going to add somebody else. They still have other pieces there that can catch the ball and they still might be a team that wants to run first. And I know they didn't do a lot of running. I think that was just because some of the games they were in, they were just playing from behind. They had to throw a ton. But I think if, if Ron Rivera had his druthers, he'd lean on his running backs. We'll see how things go. But I I I think McLaurin,
2: McLaurin is a top 15 wide receiver. Lock that up top 12 in PPR. I think he's got a shot. The, the, the thing, the thing about it is um, yes, they want to run the ball, but you know, this is still Scott Turner calling the plays. And you saw last year with four quarterbacks who weren't great, Alex Smith being the best of them, but he's still coming off a leg injury and all the time that he missed. They allowed those four quarterbacks, which we've said a few of their names already, uh, but let's not forget Dwayne Haskins started part of the season last year as well. So it's Haskins, Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, and Alex Smith. They allowed him to throw the ball 600 times. I mean, that doesn't speak to, hey, let's lean on our ground game and get some ground and pound in there. You know, they could have done that a little bit more with Antonio Gibson. If, if Ron Rivera really wanted to be conservative, he could have used Peyton Barber a little bit more just because that's the type of guy that can ground and pound, get you you know two or three yards if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So I think Fitzpatrick has a shot to, you know, be around 35 attempts per game if this offense stays somewhat close to what it was. Um, they're going to probably be in some shootouts with the NFC East opponents, certainly with Dallas and those games with a healthy Dak Prescott. You know, so there could be some fun options opportunities there. But I think Fitzpatrick, if they allow him to be Fitzpatrick, has a chance to be a special fantasy quarterback like we've seen from time to time throughout his career. Okay.
0: Yeah, it was it was weird that a team that was really built on its defense and had a pretty good run game did throw the ball so much, but good for them. Okay, FFT listeners, we want you to join our bracket challenge. March Madness is here. I'll be in there with our team, including Dave and Jamie. We want you as well. So join us. Just go to cbssports.com slash FFT brackets. I think our record is right around 2,000, maybe 1,800 to 2,000 people. So I want to beat that this year. Join our bracket challenge. Go to cbssports.com slash FFT brackets. What's in it for you? Oh, glad you asked. You get a spot in the Listener's League, the 2021 Podcast League, if you win the league. And... A $100 Paramount Plus gift card. That's pretty awesome. You wow. Can, yeah. And who We've enters... We've never given
1: away anything like that before. I know,
0: yeah. $100 for Paramount this, Plus anyway. gift card. Uh, who enters just... I'm trying to do the read. Who enters just one pool? You can also create a group to compete against friends and fill out your bracket for the chance to win a Nissan Rogue. Have we ever given out one of those, Dave? No, we've never given away a car. <laughs> and <laughs> that's ridiculous. A trip to the 2022 Final Four. So you can play on the CBS Sports app or at cbssports.com slash FFT brackets. There's really no reason not to join this. Let's do it. Well, there were other things that happened other than Ryan Fitzpatrick to Washington. So Twitter poll, how are you feeling about John U. Smith to the Patriots? I posted this before Nelson Aguilar signed. I'm sure some people responded after Nelson Aguilar sign. Uh, and and, Kendrick, and Born? Kendrick Bourne. I was about to say that. Ah, you're so mean. I love it. I like it. I dislike it. And I hate it. Which do you guys think won the Twitter poll? I love it. I like it. I dislike it. I hate it. I
1: will
2: say I like it. I said I like it. And you guys
0: are correct. I like it. Had 48% of the vote. This is overwhelmingly is positive. And it's, yeah. and it's funny because the comments were kind of negative. But... Not that many people commented, but the people who voted, uh, that's almost about 80 percent, 80 percent said they liked it or loved it, and 48 percent said, "I like it, 32 percent said, "I love it." And uh, that was really interesting. How did you guys, Dave, how did you feel about John U. Smith? Well, you know what, I'm going to say this. You guys both have John Newsmith Smith as a winner, so you obviously liked it. So Dave, where are you ranking John U. Smith?:
1: Top 10 fantasy tight end. And I, I, look, I, I wish I could put him top five, something like that. It's just a lack of trust in Cam Newton's arm. But my guess is that Josh McDonald's and Bill Belichick see John Smith as a mismatch yards after catch type of tight end that they've had before in New England without naming names. I think you know who I'm talking about. If you've been following the NFL for a while, he can he can move. He's great after the catch. He was top two in. In yards after catch per reception in 2019, he was significantly lower than that in 2020, but it was still really good. It was around five yards per catch, yards after catch per reception. And I think that that's what they're looking for. They want a tight end that can be a problem for defenses. And my guess is that they paid him the money they paid him because they think he's just scratching the surface. His athleticism has been through the roof. We talked about it last year when we mentioned him as a late round sleeper. And those days are done. He's going to end up being a tight end that fantasy managers might try targeting as an alternative to one of the big three or big five tight ends that are going to go
2: earlier in the draft.
0: Where do you have him ranked, Jamie?
2: Uh, seventh. Um, you know, and and that's the thing where I could see him moving up one or two spots uh, because right now he's behind Dallas Goddard for me. I do think Goddard has a chance for a big season with Zachert has gone um, and behind TJ Hawkinson, but those three guys factoring in John Smith as well, They fall into the category we've been talking about for the last several weeks, you know, when we've we've broken this down, he should be the best receiver, receiver, receiving option in this offense. And that's even including Julian Edelman. But we just don't know what kind of player Julian Edelman is going to be coming back from the injury and a full season of Cam Newton. He could be really good, like we saw in the Seattle game in week two last year, or he could be a guy that's kind of hobbling around the field. So I think John Smith hopefully we'll be treated like Greg Olson was treated by Cam Newton when Cam Newton was still a very good quarterback. So from 2012 to 2016, Olson with cam averaged 118 targets a season, 77 catches, 969 yards and five touchdowns. If John who comes anything close to that, that puts him in the category to be a top five tight end, certainly in PPR. <laughs> not, so but he's
0: not Greg Olson. He's and not cam Greg Olson. Now it's not but Cam. Cam's there, not there's cam.
2: also a, uh, an offense that's lacking outside threats, including what they got in Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. I don't think those guys are stars. They're good players, but they're not stars. Uh, so John, who has a chance to, plus what might what he might get getting the ball out of the backfield, because I do think that's part of this, is that they're going to be mm. creative with him, because why wouldn't you if you have an athlete like this? And the thing that Belichick tends to do is he looks at guys who have had success against him or that he's been seeing on film. And there's you know the quote circulating from the 2019 playoffs where he was praising John New Smith. And so that's typically been his M.O. when he's brought in guys. He's brought in guys that have uh, done something against him or that he's noticed uh, because he's played against them. And so uh, I think John has got an opportunity here to you know, lead the team in targets and hopefully be a successful fantasy option. Now, the other part of this is, is Cam going to be the starter for 16 games? Because this is a team that's got to address his quarterback position. They didn't invest heavily in Cam. So, you know, you're seeing that they're spending all of this money. Well, the draft may be to uh, go get a quarterback, you know, whoever that may be. You know, they've been linked to Mac Jones, for example, from Alabama. So um, is Cam going to be the guy for 16 games? But I think John, who has a chance to be in that mix of any any tight end, basically from, you know, five down. You know, I think the top four are kind of established. So um, if you want to reach for him, I think, you, you know, you're going to have to get him as maybe the fifth tight end off the board. If you want to wait for him, you know, in the middle rounds, you can get him as the tight end six through 10. Uh, he should be in that in that range for sure.
0: I think you have to, you heard Dave talk about his athleticism, but to really like this move, you have to assume that Johnny Smith is good. And I don't think we know that. Has he even had a 600 yard season? No, He has not. He hasn't had a 500 yard season. So I'm not saying he's bad. He's been in a really bad situation. Where Tennessee is bottom five in pass attempts every single year. Year in, year out. They are basically <laughs> he goes to a team and he goes to a team that threw less than than they did last year. But he doesn't have AJ Brown. He doesn't have Corey Davis to contend with. I liked this move better once I saw Nelson or run Ag-
2: game. What? Or the same run game.
0: Or this? absolutely. Um he does have a quarterback who had twelve rushing touchdowns last year and, and I think eight passing touchdowns. Something uh no. I don't know, whatever it was. Um but uh I liked it more when Aguilar and Born were the wide receivers. You know, once they signed him, you still had Galladay out there, you still had Fuller, you still better wide receivers out there. Uh they didn't get any of those guys. I like Aguilar, by the way. I don't know how you guys feel. I, I I think Aguilar is good. Um I Jamie, you talked about it last night. I don't think he's great with I don't think Cam is a great fit for Aguilar, personally.
2: No, Derek Derek Hart gets knocked for his deep ball throwing. Um and he's been pretty good at that. And I think that helped Aguilar. And Aguilar made a lot of big plays
0: yeah.
2: last year. Um, hopefully he has a chance to do that this season. And, and Adam, you brought up uh you know what Aguilar did with the touchdowns in Philly one season. So he, he could still be successful, but I, I think again, if you have a healthy Edelman to whatever extent that is, Jacoby Myers, I think he's gonna play. For now, Nikhil Harry's still on the roster. Uh, you know, I'm sure he'll have some opportunities. Not that he's playing over Aguilar, but I'm sure he'll still get, you know, a couple of targets. Uh, they have to figure out what they're doing with James White or replacing James White because that's a big part of what Josh McDaniels does is throw into to his running backs. So we'll see about that. Then you factor in Cam, you factor in Johnny. So uh, Aguilar did what he did last year on 82 targets. I don't think he's going to do the same thing if he only gets 82 targets. And I don't see him getting close to 120 targets. So if he's somewhere between 80 and 100 targets in this offense, again, which I'd be surprised, um, you know, you're asking him to still be as successful and as efficient as he was. I just don't think that's realistic. So yeah. I think Aguilar is a good player for the Patriots. I think he feels certainly in need because they do have clearly a hole to fill that spot was one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL last year. And as much as we like Jacoby Myers, I know I do. And I think you do as well. Adam I'm sure Dave has some interest. Um, also that he's never scored a touchdown in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. So, um, or caught a touchdown in the NFL. So, you know, so the receiving core that needed some, they needed some depth. Uh, these two guys provide that Aguilar being better than born, but I also don't think they're done as well, or they shouldn't be, you know, um, with all these guys that are out there, they could still make a splashing move as well to add a receiver. Cause they still surprisingly enough, have some money to spend.
0: Yeah. 800 yards, seven touchdowns for Johnny Smith. How does that sound? That, that would be amazing. Like borderline
2: top five guy. Does that sound right.
0: reasonable though?
1: Yes. The seven touchdown part. Yes.
0: Yeah. I, Right. I just I don't think they're gonna throw a lot of touchdowns. That's the problem, but I do think he's right now in position to lead the team in touchdowns. If you were gonna handicap one person lead the team in touchdowns right now, how could and it receiving
1: yeah, touchdowns? Yeah, yes. and
0: receiving touchdowns. How could it not be John Smith at the moment? Uh all right, so
1: but I also think I think those seven touchdowns could end up being like six receiving, one rushing. Because yeah. we already talked about John who being used out of the backfield. He was a good inside the ten yard weapon for Tennessee. I'm sure the Patriots are gonna pick up on that. But there won't be a lot of those kinds of opportunities just because Cam is the quarterback, and he hogged them up last year. So it made their running backs so disappointing.
0: More so winners bad. and losers coming up. we I don't even know if we've gotten to losers. More winners and some losers coming up. We're going no, we to take a break. No, got Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a loser. It's a shame. Yeah. Uh, I was really impressed with him last year. I thought he really flashed his ability. I was, his too. Ability. And obviously Bill
1: Belichick was, too.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll be right back. While we take a break, you go to cbsports.com slash FFT brackets and you sign up and you join our league. You get in the podcast league. You get a $100 Paramount Plus gift card. You get a Nissan Rogue. You can win all those things. And of course, if you want all three and you could only pick one, you choose a spot in the podcast league. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today.
1: Robert Half Research indicates nine
2: out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized
1: recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: On to the winners from day one. So Jamie had John Smith, Dave had John Smith. Jamie, you also had A.J. Brown and James Robinson. So it wasn't, you know, when you look at the winners, it's not necessarily the guys who changed teams. A.J. Brown in 2020 was 30th among wide receivers and targets, 14th in fantasy points. In 2019, he was 46th in targets, 21st in fantasy points. So right now, 250 targets for A.J. Brown? What do you think?
2: Yeah, uh, you're low. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he has the chance to, you know, I know this offense isn't going to change dramatically even with the coordinator change, but what else do they have right now? I mean, it's, it's, it's a lack of talent and a lack of uh, options in the passing game. They have to add people. They're going to, I mean, you know, you don't lose Corey Davis, John Smith and Adam Humphreys, who's not coming back and just say, okay, we're good. <laughs> you know, they have to uh, put some pieces around Tannehill and AJ Brown, but it's just going to depend on what they do. Is it going to be the draft? Is it going to be, you know, maybe a, uh a big time free agent, you know, which would be surprising if they didn't want to give Corey Davis $12.5 million a year. Um, you know, I don't know if they're gonna break the bank for Kenny Galladay or, you know, maybe try and get Will Fuller or you know, or the guys who are still out there, Juju. Um, but if AJ Brown is looking across an inexperienced guy or somebody who's uh, a lesser talent than what Corey Davis is, he should get more targets and he deserves more targets. And he's entering his third season when it's time for him to maybe have that big statistical boom of a season, which um He's certainly proven that it's going to be hard to do, but I think he's capable of. So uh I'm put AJ Brown, he's a top five receiver for me. Um, probably should have had him there to begin with, but he's uh he's got a chance to be special in, in 2021.
0: And he's all the way down to number six for Dave and number four for Heath. So uh top top six, even in PPR for everybody. I I think you know, comparing him to like Michael Thomas and Keenan Allen is is very interesting. It, he's just not a high catch guy. This could, I don't know if that's going to change. Well, I, I I know I know I know they just lost Davis and, S- and Smith, but he's a big play guy. Keenan Allen, you know I, I could see him having twenty more catches than AJ Brown. But I understand I understand what we're talking about right now. There's no competition. There will be, yeah. All right, well, look, we don't have to debate him much right now. He's top six. Um, and uh, and James Robinson, you just... You know, Carlos Hyde's really... He's been pretty solid in his role the last two years, but you don't think he's a major threat. And actually, his role, I should clarify, his role is very different the last two years. Mostly just a backup for Seattle, but he got a lot of run with Houston a couple of years ago, and he's been okay. But you don't think he's a major threat to James Robinson, Jamie?
2: I mean, if this is all that they do, and i am be shocked if this is all that they do, but if this is their move... Thank goodness, because you know I was expecting some sort of splashy situation you know, to bring in somebody to challenge James Robinson for the starter's job, to take him off the field in passing situations. This is not the guy to do that. Now, like you said, Carlos Hyde will get his touches. Uh, he'll probably be looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of five to six carries a game and maybe one catch a game, but that's not necessarily something that he does. So I would even say under the one catch per game. So if he's looking at maybe eight total carries per game, Um, Robinson, I think, is in a really good spot. Now, the the only thing that concerns you is is there's a history here with Urban Meyer and there's a history with Trent Baalke, you know, so that's why I think they bring Carlos Hyde in. But do they need to spend $3 million a season on Hyde? And just looking at it from a one-year perspective, uh, is, is that a waste of money? Maybe, maybe not, but at least it gives you a competent veteran that you can turn to if James Robinson fails or if he gets hurt. So I think it's a good move organizationally. I still think that they need to add a little bit more of a pass catcher that they were probably hoping to get out of Chris Thompson last season that that didn't turn out to be the case. But as long as they don't go and get, let's say a Jamal Williams or they spend a draft pick on somebody, James Robinson's in a great spot. If this is the, the big move to get another running back, I'm thrilled about that for his fantasy value.
1: I mean, isn't, isn't Carlos Hyde there to like almost be a coach among the running backs because he spent time with urban Meyer and, and he knows what's expected in the offense and all that. And, I just, I, I see him as a direct backup to James Robinson and that's it. And so if they are going to like, like you said, go and add a pass catching running back, that's coming. So I'm not, I'm not saying that James Robinson is a winner yet. He's not out of the woods here.
0: Okay. Yeah, not yet. Uh, but so far so good. And the two years, $6 million deal that Hyde got, this is exactly what, uh, devonte Booker got with the giants. And we know, yeah, it's just not, it's just not a lot of money really. Uh, so, and you not like, I mean, those, I would take it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's
2: not yeah, bad for most people. I
0: should take it too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they did. All right, let's go to Dave's winner. So Dave has Jameis Winston as a winner. Whereas Jamie has Winston as a loser. Cause I think Jamie's anticipating a messy situation there, but, but Dave Jameis, you know, I Azar statted the hell out of this, but I looked at the last, <laughs> this is going to be good.
2: Last three seasons. The three quarters that he played in 2020. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> well, I, not 2020, but 2017 to 2019 his last three seasons in Tampa Bay. If you just take the games that he started and finished, that's all. Just started and finished. Or came close to finishing. Played almost all the snaps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was on pace for 4,700 yards, 4,900 yards, and 5,100 yards. And the last one, he that was a full 16-game season, and he finishes QB4 or something like that. Uh, He's been a very prolific passer. He's thrown a lot. He's thrown 38 times or 39 times per game in those starts that I mentioned uh, that he didn't get pulled. (laughs) And the Saints have not been like that in like four years. But I was kind of surprised. Like I knew, obviously, he had the big year, 2019. But every time he started, you just look at his fantasy points He's a much better fantasy quarterback than he is a real-life quarterback. So you have him, you have Jameis Winston as a winner. Why?
1: Because he could have been the quarterback in Chicago or maybe like Washington or somewhere else, and it would have been far worse for him than being the quarterback in New Orleans. And I don't think they bring him back to, to at the very least compete for a job if they don't think he can get it. They must have liked what they dealt with in practice, in the locker room, in the meeting rooms, to bring him back and give him a deal that I think with incentives gets him over $10 million for next year. I'd like to see where this goes. It could be a camp competition. That would be bad. That would make him tough to draft as as a late round guy uh, in, in one quarterback leagues. But if he's the starter there, and I think the general opinion is that he will be the starter there, there's unbelievable potential. This offense is great. They've got good weapons. They've got some weapons that are, are going to become great. Maybe they add another wide receiver to bulk up that room. You know about the running back coming out of the backfield, and you know about Jameis being a downfield thrower. Maybe they rein him in a little bit there, but if he's playing 16 games, and even if he's losing, uh, I don't know, how, how many plays per game did Taysom Hill have in 2020? Maybe six? Even if he's losing that, he still should put up respectable numbers as the number one quarterback for the New Orleans
0: Saints. So Jamie, why is th- you basically put both of them, Winston and Taysom, as losers. Why?
2: Well, it's definitely gonna be a camp competition. That goes without saying. I don't think that they go when what they did with Taysom Hill last year and say, All right, you're on the bench when he was successful for them as a starter in place of Drew Brees, which by the way, they made the decision to go with Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston oh, I remember. Uh, last year, when the year before they went with Teddy Bridgewater over Taysom Hill when Brees was out with the thumb injury. So um, fantasy-wise, I actually would have liked to see Jameis go to a different team, uh, even if it would have been Chicago, because then you would have known he's starting for 16 games as opposed to what could be this messy situation, that if Jameis does have his typical turnover problems, then he's going to the bench, even if he is the starter. So I hate this. I absolutely hate this. I I, I think if you would have said Taysom Hill's the starter, fantasy-wise, Jameis should be the starter. Everything Dave said is 100% right. He should be the guy... Sean Payton should go with Jameis Winston. I think he gives them a better chance to have a successful offense, but he loves Taysom Mill He absolutely loves Taysom Hill. And it's been a frustrating experience for the last couple of seasons. It was frustrating last year when we thought Jameis was going to get the start, but Taysom was good as a fantasy quarterback and his rushing floor saves him. We saw him improve as a passer in the final two starts. You reference this all the time, Adam. You got to throw out that Denver game because they didn't need to do anything yeah. in that matchup against the, the, the guy playing quarterback on the other side. So I think it's going to be ugly. Uh, you know, I, I think we're going to see both quarterbacks throughout the course of the season play too much that there may be stretches where you can trust Jameis and stretches where you could trust Taysom. And I'm not talking about game to game. I'm talking about when one is starting and the other is sitting. So I just think it's going to be frustrating unless we get the the thing that I think we're all hoping for is, unless you're a Taysom Hill truther, is that Jameis is the starter and Jameis will play like Drew Brees played. So to what Dave was oh, talking well. about, in that he only comes off, not not statistically a performance, but snaps and and plays and opportunities. And that Taysom only comes in for those special packages. And while he ruins Jameis a little bit, at least you could feel comfortable with Jameis as a low-end starter or maybe just a streaming option. But I think it's gonna be messy. It's gonna it's gonna feel messy until we get to week one and we see how it all plays out. I don't think you can draft the Saints quarterback comfortably right now. As a guy, you can say as a starter. So to me, it's a losing situation for for what we saw in the start of free agency.
0: Interesting. Okay, and I, I'm I'd be very curious to see how Jameis Winston did in an offense where he's throwing 33, 34 times per game. If that is the case, as opposed to
2: with LASIK, don't forget. Th- I'm not.
0: I mean, people might laugh I about hope that. That's it really might help. I'm
2: I'm saying it tongue in cheek, but I think it's uh, you know important that he's he's trying to correct some of his. Mistakes, whether it was physical, mental, whatever, you know. So he's doing the things that he needs to do to get himself Do you
0: remember how bad he looked when he came in the game that Breeze got hurt? Yes. I I mean, he looked terrible. And... I don't know. I I, I might be. Kept him. I might be a Taysom Hill truther. To be honest with you, I really want to see him get a chance. Doesn't it mean something to you that they kept him yeah. and that they gave
1: him oh, yeah. a better deal it's, than he had last year? It's not they, good if, for if, Hill. He wasn't. Good. Listen, I saw that game too, and I thought there's no way he's going to be good. And then they started Taysom Hill anyway.
0: They must not Maybe. have liked Taysom Hill, and and I think, you know, listen. It, th- The the other side to it is this.
1: Look at the two contracts that they signed. And I know that Taysom Hill's contract is funny money and he's not seeing $140 million or anything like that. But Jameis did sign a a contract that is kind of backup-ish. Maybe there is a chance there where he does lose the competition. I just don't think he's lost it yet. I think he'd have to go to camp and struggle. I don't think that that's... It could happen. Of course it could happen. But for now, if I'm in a one-quarterback draft and I've got a late pick and I want to take a shot on a guy that's got some serious upside, Jameis is one of those guys at quarterback that I Yeah, would it's consider. funny
2: because I, I would actually go the other way. I'd go Taysom. you take Taysom. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was a good fantasy quarterback last year in that situation. And the thing that we saw, you know, obviously it's going to impact the two guys that are going to be top 20 overall picks, you know, wherever Michael Thomas ends up being drafted. but We know Alvin Kamara is going to be a top five pick. Clearly, there's there's a downgrade with both of these quarterbacks for Kamara because Jameis doesn't have a long track record of throwing to his running backs. He's probably better at it than Taysom Hill, at least based on what we saw because Taysom's going to run. And so, you know, th- th- there's a, there's a losing situation there for Kamara, I think either way. Uh, but Michael Thomas, I mean, y- you saw it. Taysom Hill went to him as much as Drew Brees did. And I think maybe in some cases more uh, based on the target share in those, in those oh, yeah. final
0: two 32.5%, which is yeah. Higher than Bre- that huge target share for Michael right. Thomas. when so, when Taysom you know, Hill was Thomas,
2: might be better off with Taysom Hill, whereas Jameis may lean on his other guys a little bit more. Not that he's not going to go to Thomas, but um, the nice thing for both those guys is moving on from Jared Cook, moving on from Manuel Sanders. While we like Adam Troutman, he has a chance to maybe be a significant attribute in this offense. You know what Traquan Smith has been. You know, you know, it's, you've seen some of these other guys that they have. Uh, it should be that they, they get the ball as much as they possibly can handle. But. Uh, losing Breeze is bad for, I think, Kamara more so than it is for Thomas. And we'll see which of these two quarterbacks is going to help those other two guys be successful.
0: Two final things. Question for you. Do you know which running back had the most receiving yards in a season? Uh, Basically, the best running back receiving season with Jameis Winston. Who had it? (laughs) Blast from the past. Not Ronald Jones. Charles Sims. Charles Sims. Charles Sims. 51 catches, 561 yards, four touchdowns. That was back in 2015. Um, And here are the tight end touchdowns for Tampa Bay in Jameis's five seasons. He did not throw all of these touchdowns, but tight end touchdown catches. 8, 11, 13, 11, and 5. Very, very – he he likes his tight ends. Uh, He did, at least, in college, and he did in Tampa Bay. Okay, let's go. Uh, We have a lot more to get to here, guys. So, Dave, your other winner was Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs had only 43 targets in 13 games. He was a very silent rookie first-round pick. He was the first wide receiver off the board. But uh, what do you think about Henry Ruggs right now?
1: He's a winner for now. If, If the Raiders add a receiver or two, and they might make the splash that the Patriots didn't make, then he'll be piped down a little bit. And when I say winner, it's not like he moved up into, like, number three receiver territory, but I think he's got that upside if he's going to take on an increased role. And certainly if is not there, who's the best deep threat that they've got left? It's it's literally him and nobody else. I don't think their other receivers have the type of speed that even Aguilar had, much less Henry Ruggs. Ruggs has rare speed to begin with. So I think he's got a chance to be yeah you know, a receiver that you can draft, stash on your bench, use as a number three option from time to time during the season. And that's a lot better than what he was last year, which is a guy that really didn't deserve a bench spot at all.
0: Would you rather have right now Nelson Aguilar or Henry Ruggs? I'd rather have Ruggs. Okay. Let me talk about brackets one more time. If you need help filling out your bracket, by the way, cbsports.com slash FFT brackets, CBS Sports HQ has got you covered. Nonstop coverage of every game from every region of the NCAA tournament. Leave it to the experts this year. We know you might be rusty after taking last year off, so stream CBS Sports HQ all week long. And I can tell you it was Saturday or Sunday. I was doing laundry, folding laundry, put on CBS Sports HQ. I watched it for like an hour, learned a lot. Good stuff, very comprehensive. It's great programming, so just download that app. Let's go to the losers here. Um, Guys, I'll ask you to be a little bit quicker. Dave's Losers, Nelson Aguilar is one of them. AJ Dillon. Okay, that's that's obvious, but where do you do you think AJ Dillon should get drafted?
1: I think you should view him as one of those priority running back backups. So in that same range as the Tony Pollard's, Alexander Madison's, um, Latavius Murray's of the world. Cause I still think he can get maybe he could probably average around ten touches per game, and he might be their short yardage guy. And if something were to happen to Aaron Jones, then he'd be an amazing fantasy run back.
0: Okay, and then you also have Damian Harris listed as a loser. How come? Because now
1: they're adding weapons to the passing game in New England that could take even more touchdown opportunities away from Damian Harris. They already brought back Cam Newton. That that put a a nail in the coffin to begin with. Oh, and they're and they're thinking about adding Leonard
0: Fournette. Yeah, so are the Seahawks by the way, yeah. which would be very interesting.
1: And so are the Bucks. All of a sudden, there's a market for Leonard Fournette.
0: Everybody just watched the Super Bowl again. Okay, so it's Aguilar, it's Harris, and it's Dylan. As far as Aguilar goes, he's had three seasons in his career where he's played 16 games, and he's been like number two or number three receiver in two of those three years. But this was his best year uh, with... 896 yards, eight touchdowns on only 82 targets. I think we laid out the case pretty well. I even draft, like 12-team league, five or six bench spots. You even drafting Nelson Aguilar? Yeah. Jamie? Did we lose Jamie?
2: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think, is. you know, if you're if you're looking at a fourth receiver. Okay. I don't even think he's a top 100 pick. Might not even be no, a that top I agree. 120 pick. Yeah, that I agree. All
0: right, Jamie's losers. Ryan Tannehill, also the Saints quarterbacks, and Corey Davis. All right, so Ryan Tannehill, yeah, it is kind of funny. Just He's obviously a loser, but I guess we probably should have been calling him that for a while. Uh, it was unlikely that Johnny and Corey Davis were coming back. So, you know, right now, what what do you need for him to be a top-12
2: quarterback? Kenny Galdon. Hunter Henry. I don't know another piece. There the you puzzle. go, Hunter Henry. Uh, he's got to have some help. Look, huh? Hunter Henry to the Titans would be awesome. I think it would Could be awesome, help? but they'd have to pay him John o. Smith money. So why wouldn't they not just keep John o. Smith? Right, think Hunter Henry's that much better, and I'm sure Hunter Henry's going to cost more because he's been more productive in the NFL. So it's also been. I'd be so surprised beat if they up, went the though. Hunter Henry route, but right. Uh, and he's older than Janu. Yeah, I don't. I, it's yeah, I mean, look, I don't they, know why gonna, they would do that. Gonna, that would seem well, backward to me. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what they do uh, to add pieces. But the only reason I did it was because I dropped in my rankings. He was he was number eleven for me. I put him at thirteen now. So um, he he surprised us last year to build off what he did when he got the chance to replace Marcus Mariota in twenty nineteen and was so successful. He was just as good, if not better, last season. So he's still a very capable number one fantasy quarterback with whatever they're going to put around him. But when you lose two of your top pass catchers, three of your top pass catchers, again, factoring Adam Humphreys, we'll see what they do to replace those guys. So A.J. Brown can only do so much. Uh, I don't think that uh, the new offensive coordinator is all of a sudden going to change things since he was on the staff last year and start throwing the ball to Derrick Henry that much to help Ryan Tannehill. Um, But he's he's somebody that I would prefer as a number two quarterback now as opposed to a number one guy. I'd rather have Joe Burrow. I'd rather have Tom Brady. And those are two guys that I put ahead of him. Opportunities don't go away. They just go to somebody else.
1: Wise man once told us that. And the, the Titans have been one of the most, if not the most resourceful teams in the NFL when it comes to their offense, finding playmakers. They developed Janu. they got what they could out of Corey Davis. They've obviously done wonders with A.J. Brown. I, I have to give Tannehill the benefit of the doubt. Look what they did with Tannehill, for crying out loud. I'm giving Tannehill the benefit of the doubt. He's a low-end starting fantasy quarterback
2: at oh, I this point. That. Yeah, I, yeah I, 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 we're nitpicking,
1: right? Because you've yeah. got him 13, I've got him 11. Adam, I'm sure that you would agree that he's somewhere in that range. Yeah, To me, it, it might come down to Brady versus Tannehill. And Tannehill's track record in fantasy the last two years is really tough to pass up. Brady's been great. Uh, no question. And, and Brady could be better. We'll see what they add around him this year. I mean, how but many more pass it's attempts? It's close did, and it's tough.
0: Tom Brady had, I I mean, did he have 100 more pass attempts than Ryan Tannehill? Did he more? I don't even know. I, I don't want to say something ridiculous, but I'll tell you right now. Brady had 610. Tannehill had 481. So 130. But Tannehill more, will run a little bit more. Yeah, but I'm I'm going to take Brady over Tannehill. Yeah, you know,
1: he was better than Tannehill last year. He's
0: got Chris. Scott. Total he's fantasy got everyone points everyone and fantasy back. points per game. He's got everyone back. Yeah, everyone that it. matters. Yeah, I'm gonna take Brady.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's it's like you said, Adam. Um, we 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 should have expected this uh, that this was gonna happen, but at the same time, it's uh, and to Dave's point, you know, Tannehill's taken advantage of of these situations and he's made Corey Davis. He helped Corey Davis have the best season of his career. You know, so give him credit for that. So hopefully, the next guy that comes along to replace Davis. Uh, Tannehill could do the same thing. He's been the quarterback with AJ Brown, so he's you know been the guy to help Brown get to the level that he's at. But you know if he loses a touchdown or two uh, on top of the low volume, and as we've talked about, he's certainly more so than any of us the efficiency and how just how how good he's been in that regard. If that slips a little bit, then he goes from you know a top ten guy to maybe a top fifteen guy, which is not going to crush your fantasy team, but it could hurt it just enough. You know, so the guys that I'm debating with him, you know, like Matthew Stafford, for example. Uh, who I think has a chance to be better than Ryan Tannehill based on the situation he's in, I could see that's another spot where he could fall, you know? So I think don't Matt Ryan, have, uh, I'm sorry. I think Matt Ryan could be Matt another Ryan, one. Ryan Fitzpatrick now, you know, just based on volume, you know, and, and, and situation, you know, the weapons are, are are very similar in terms of what they have. You know what so, though?
0: I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. But I want to say this. Usually when we talk about these guys, we say, you know, are for the last X amount of years, the conversation's been, wow, quarterback is so deep. You could literally wait until your last pick or so and just take one of the take Matt Ryan, take Ryan Tannehill. The influx of Russian quarterbacks and not just quarterbacks who can run the ball, because you know, Blake Bortles used to be a really good Russian quarterback, but the Russian quarterbacks are awesome now. They're also great at passing the ball. These guys that we're talking about don't sound like guys that I want as my fantasy starter. Uh it, it is still a deep position and you can still get by with those players. But the position has definitely changed. Sure. And because the Russian quarterbacks are so good right now. So these guys don't – they sound like n- number two guys for sure. They don't – I don't know.
2: I just well, don't think that many
0: people are going to be in the I'm going to wait for Tannehill, Ryan, Stafford.
2: No, mm-hmm. these these are low-end starters for a reason. And and the thing about Brady that makes him still moderately attractive is well, – oh, he's a very handsome man, but oh, moderately attractive. Yeah. And you, you could now text him. <laughs> <if> <laughs> yes, you, want, you can. Yeah. Um, the thing about it is uh, is Bruce Arians. You know, that's what yeah. makes Tom Brady and, and the weapons he has around him. For Tannehill, if you tell me right now Taysom Hill's a starter, I'd rather have Taysom Hill than Ryan Tannehill as a fantasy quarterback because of the rushing. Yeah, um, I'll take the upside of, of Herbert because I think they'll have similar rushing like they did last year. I think Burrow will run to a similar extent like what Tannehill does. I don't think Tannehill's getting seven rushing touchdowns again like he had in 2020. That's hard to replicate. So um, Tannehill... Cousins, Matt Ryan, uh, for me, Fitzpatrick. You know these guys are going to have to throw the ball um, to a certain extent, and Fertano is going to have to be as efficient as he was. And losing the guys that he's losing, I don't think it's going to help him.
0: Well, we got to talk about Corey Davis. We could probably end on this. Uh, Corey Davis is coming off a season where he was number twenty nine. He was the number twenty nine wide receiver per game. He was twenty fourth in non PPR, thirty first in PPR. He was on pace for seventy four catches. 1,125 yards, six touchdowns on 105 targets. And it was, how about this? He was one of five wide receivers who averaged 15 or more yards per catch and caught 70% or more of his targets. That is tremendous. The five were Will Fuller, Rashard Higgins, Justin Jefferson, Corey Davis, and Julio Jones. Uh, So, you have him as a loser, Jamie. But he's on the Jets. What's up with that?
2: Not the guy I was hoping to see the Jets get, um, you know, but we'll see how he does. Uh, he, he was a failure the last time he was asked to be the number one guy in the tight for the Titans before they had A.J. Brown. Um, this is still an incomplete because we don't know what the quarterback situation is. If it's Deshaun Watson, then it makes it a lot better for Corey Davis. But if this is what it is, they still have Jameson Crowder on the roster. You know, he's going to get targets. Uh, Denzel Mims, I think will get a bump in targets. I think uh, whatever the tight end situation is, will will be a factor. If it's Chris Herndon, or they do go out and make a move to get somebody else, um, so Davis, I think, is kind of at best what he was last year, which is fine, but I don't know if he's going to be able to replicate even that, especially if it's a rookie quarterback and who knows how good that rookie quarterback may be. So, um, I don't love this move for Corey Davis. I think he's better suited as a complementary option than a lead option. And I think he can struggle in that role when he's seen tougher coverage.
0: Would you guys rather have right now Henry Ruggs or Corey Davis? Still Davis. I'll take Ruggs. Interesting.
1: Just going purely with the upside.
0: How about Michael Gallup or Corey Davis? Davis. Gallup. Jameson Crowder or Corey Davis? Davis.
2: I think
1: I have Davis ranked higher than Crowder. Look, I think, part of the re- I think part of the reason why I went to the Jets is because he's a he's a competent run blocker. He got a decent grade in run blocking on Pro Football Focus. Titans were a run first team. I, I, I don't. I, I think that that's kind of an underrated part of his game, and that doesn't help anybody in fantasy. I still think that this Jets offense will do its part to replicate a lot of the principles that the 49ers have, and to a degree, what the Packers had, maybe more twenty nineteen Packers than 2020 Packers, especially since they don't have a quarterback like the 2020 Packers had. Uh, questions about who's throwing him the ball, questions about him filling in a role that might be too big for him. It just makes me want to pass.
2: Might make the Jets want to pass, Jets, too. He the Jets the game $2.5 million a year.
1: <laughs> well, the, why did the Jets like him to give him that kind of money? It can't be for his prolific receiving skills. We haven't seen a whole lot of that.
0: Well, I, I will say you this about Corey Davis, if you want to be optimistic. He had six games with seven or more targets. In those six games, he scored 15 or more PPR fantasy points. That's really good. Five times. Five out of six games. And he had four 100-yard games in those six games with seven or more targets. He had 10 games with six or fewer targets, and he didn't do very well in those games. He scored more than 12 PPR fantasy points only once. It was against Detroit, arguably the worst defense in football. So my point is... He really suffered. He wins, I think, by getting off of the Titans. Maybe he could have had another season like this, but he was so inconsistent. When he didn't get the targets, and there were a lot of games that Ryan Tannehill just didn't throw enough, Corey Davis was the one who suffered. A.J. Brown did not. Corey Davis was the one who suffered. Uh, He at least has the chance to have consistency with targets, and maybe he can be more consistent as a fantasy wide receiver. All right, good stuff, guys. There were some more kind of underrated signings. Kyle Juszczyk going back to San Francisco. That is good for their run game. He's elite in that regard, Is just helping with the run game. Uh, Denver giving Philip Lindsay the low, restricted free agent tender. Uh, yeah, and then the offensive line stuff. So we'll save that for tomorrow, but we covered the big stuff, and I'm sure we'll be back later today. Hopefully we'll get some... Galladay or Fuller or or Carson or something big and we'll have a bonus podcast for you then. I want to thank Dave and Jamie and Ben Schrager. I'm Adam Azer. We will talk to you later
2: on Fantasy Football Today.